Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami. Big Dave, man. Are you excited today? I'm pretty excited. You know why I'm I'm excited? excited? Why are you excited? Because we have this awesome friend and entrepreneur uh, here with us today, Julie Shulo. I know, man. I'm I'm excited to talk to hear what she has to say about data. Data is so crucial to associations, and many don't even know that. But I hear she is the queen of data. So I'm, I'm just excited to hear what's on her, what's under her halo. Hot diggity data, Tom. Yeah, right <laughs> talk, there. Talk data to me. <laughs> so Julie Shulo from Association Analytics. Now, Julie, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Excited to so be here. We're excited, clearly. So the reason, Julie, we uh, brought you in here is not to promote Association Analytics, although what? Well, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but if it happens, it happens, and that's cool. Like I, I have no problem promoting Association Analytics, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. This is not a sponsored thing. This is just um, we know you, we love you, and you have a lot of great insight to offer, and that's why Tom and I brought you here. But uh, we were just discussing before we hit the record button. I think it's really fascinating in being another tech entrepreneur. You don't see a lot of women. Well, the the percentage of women that are entrepreneurs is about 20% that have a business over a million dollars in revenue. And, and, and so, A, you don't see a lot of women entrepreneurs, number one. Number two, you see even fewer women tech entrepreneurs. And so can you give us a little background like how'd you get into this what'd you do before this and just tell us a little bit about the julie journey yeah sure so i i I don't know if there is a traditional path mine is not i actually come from accounting and finance and so yes numbers but not necessarily hardcore data hardcore technology background and so went from accounting and finance and kind of being that type of nerd and transformed into a data entrepreneur nerd. Along the way, you know, I, I didn't know this would be my journey, right? I actually joined Association Analytics as the chief operating officer and really at the time was looking to productize and go forward with that vision with the then founder and CEO. Although I will say my journey, I've always acted as if. Uh, I owned whatever I was doing. It's actually funny. I remember working at a Fortune 500 and working so hard, being up till four in the morning, uh, working on a presentation for the next day. And the next day, my husband walking in and being like, why, why do you do that? You know, you don't get paid anymore for working that hard or that long. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's just something in my DNA. So whenever I had the opportunity to take over Association Analytics and buy out the previous owner and founder. Um, She retired, moved to California, rides horses and travels, you know, good for her. Um, It was kind of a no brainer that this made sense. This was always in my DNA to do something like this. And so um, here we are, I think about four years later um, and launched the product, grew the company, you know, over 300%, continuing to grow over 100% year over year. I love it. I don't think as much about being a woman entrepreneur. I don't know why. Sometimes I blame it on um, being raised by my father. It was never 
you're a girl, you can do or you can't do anything. It's just an equal opportunity for anybody. And so I took that opportunity. And uh, speaking of being a woman entrepreneur, you're also uh, a mother of like, how many? Uh, 15 no four yeah you might have just heard one she just came in my husband's supposed to be on like guard duty here but you know well that's no that you don't need a guard that's what (laughs) that's actually what made me ask the question is i heard a little little tinkering in the background there's nothing wrong with that we welcome the tinkering i got a couple dogs around me i'm waiting one day for them to say hello and they haven't done it yet but we've been in meetings with you tom and i have been meeting with you in the past and you got little rocco your your newest sitting in your lap in the meeting and i i love that that's one thing i really like about uh covid nation these days is like all the zoom calls has just made us so comfortable in meetings like this i love that about it you know what i took from her entire description there one word productize i've never heard that word before (laughs) <laughs> on, on this on this podcast, Julie, we have words like Dave came up with consultate last last time, and in our first one we had emotionability. So we got mm. all these great words that pop in this thing and productize. That's, I love that word. Productize is a word. At least in software, we talk about productizing things. You know, because oftentimes you have services, right? Service businesses and services businesses uh, or consultancies oftentimes want to productize something in their business. They want to turn a service into a product. That's a it's, it's a much more lucrative. Um, valuation, at least. And uh, it also it has this mentality of re- repeatability that I think that's that's exactly. nice about it. I've always just heard scalability. Also, yeah, or- yeah, there's another one. <laughs> yeah. So Julie, you, you worked for uh, this person that owned the company. Did you when you joined, did you have equity or did you did you just go from an employee to buying the business straight out? Um, a small piece of equity. And then basically, I was actually positioning uh, the company to take it to market. Like she had this very serious lunch with me. I remember we were at like some steakhouse in, you know, Tyson. So old school. And she sits me down and because this was not the plan at the time, it was more like a five year out, you know, seven year out plan. Um, And this was a year into it. And so she sits down, she's like, so, you know, I think, um, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to sell the company and, you know, move out west to California a year. So you had worked for one year and how many employees did she have? Six or seven. And you were one of the six or seven. And out of those six and seven, she turned to you and said, you know, I'd like you. This is, was it her idea or your idea? Neither. Um, (laughs) So the idea was actually, we took the company to market. So we had a broker come in valuation, we're taking the company to market. In that journey, a lot of the investors turned to me and said, hey, we want you to have stake in the game and stay on as operator in order for this to be you know, an attractive investment for us. So I went home, talked to Ryan, my husband, you know, great, let's, you know, that's fine. Let's keep pursuing that. Then it got a little more interesting. Somebody came in and said, hey, would you want to buy this 50-50 with me? Went home, talked to Ryan. It's actually Ryan's idea. He was like, why don't we just buy it? Like, we don't need that other person. Uh, What value are they adding? Um, And so there you had it. That was like October of 2017 and February 9th of 2018. We closed and we're off to the races. Um, So those, you know, we retained those six employees and then continued to grow to be, you know, almost 40 today. That's an two awesome great things story. And, on and then you, you, and then you carpe diemed and seized <laughs> the data. 
We we did. We seized all the data. <laughs> and you know what we did with it, Tom? We productized it. That's what I we love did. It. And then you scalability <laughs> it. So totally. If you Sorry, if I were Tom, to write what, a journey, that would be it. I didn't mean so, to interrupt you, but that was really important to talk about how they she seized the data. Absolutely. Well, I was gonna say there were two great things that happened on February 9th. You closed and I was born. So great things happened on February 9th. So yeah. hey, so I, so I want to get a little bit of a gap there. So right, right. We didn't bit. talk years. We're just talking month and day. <laughs> so, so I want to get in though the core because a lot of associations are are listening in on these things, and so a lot of them are wondering why. I personally know why data is important because I think data right now is the as things move so fast, you've got to be able to have data that helps you predict how things are going to go, so you can make very good decisions in a very timely way, and actually know when to fix things in the moment and shift. And so, for associations out there. What is your core concepts of why data is important for associations? Why should they be paying attention to the data that you're helping them extract and read in a way that makes it useful? Yeah, good question. So the number one thing I always think about, would you walk around with a blindfold if you had the ability to see? Uh, I, I don't think you would. And that's kind of the same mentality that data brings to you. So data kind of takes off that blindfold and allows you to see. It allows you to look back. It allows you to look real time. It allows you to look forward. And so, you know, why would you walk around with that blindfold? And, you know, associations, I would say over the past five years, they've recognized the value of data and they've kind of taken off that blindfold. And the ones that had it on whenever the pandemic hit, you know, back in March, April, May uh, last year, the blindfold was taken off for them. And so, you know, they didn't have a choice anymore. They couldn't rely on gut and instinct or or even politics for that matter. A lot of times there's decisions made for political reasons, you know, loudest board member, whatever it may be. Uh, everybody kind of took that off and said, hey, we really need to be making decisions like a business. We need to be scrutinizing decisions because if not, we might be at jeopardy of, of losing it all. And so whether it was out of fear, whether it was out of the, the fact they couldn't just do what they did last year, because literally the entire environment and landscape was different. Um, but a lot of people finally that were hanging on took the blindfold off and started to really leverage their data, which was refreshing. So, but Julie, so, go, go ahead, Tom. I, say, I, I, love, you, I love your blindfold analogy because my, my analogy for that same kind of thing, especially when we're selling membership, is not being a member of MTI because of what we bring to you is like driving on a dark road late at night and high traffic with no lights. Cause people can, yep. people can feel that essence of what things are like when lights are on and turn those lights off. But I'd never do that. Well, exactly. And I love your blindfold. It's kind of the same element. So um, Dave, jump, jump in with what you, I, I got another follow-up question, but jump in. I know you had something you wanted to ask. Thanks Tom. So th there's, I, uh, it's in, let's use that blindfold analogy to take it a little bit further. What I'm seeing in the industry is like these associations are wearing this blindfold, they take it off and it's so darn bright that they like kind of put it on a little bit more. And what I mean by so bright is there's so much data. Like there's so much, especially 
transactional and behavioral data, right? We've had this conversation before about behavioral and transactional data, and that's where most people are living. And then we actually, and, and I'm going to put a little plug in here for, for association analytics and PropFuel and, and what we have going on right now, because we have this thing where I refer to as insight and action, where we're providing the sentiment and the, uh, the intent data, right? Sentiment intent, which a lot of organizations don't have, adding it to behavioral and transactional data. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but my question to you is, there's so much data. How do you, and I, I would expect that this is a major part of what you guys do. How do you um, harness that? Like, how do you, how do you harvest, how do you take all this data and turn it into something valuable as opposed to just a, this tsunami of data coming at an organization because you can't do much with a tsunami but it's fun to play in the small waves yeah right um so <laughs> that was super <laughs> cheesy but i love, I love it, how right? you like, laughed so hard at your own joke <laughs> you have no well, idea you know if nobody else is gonna laugh i'm gonna take advantage of it yeah you you did it man uh, so that's kind of, uh, that's one of the reasons people come to us, right? Because even before we launched Acumen and the product, we were doing custom jobs and we were going in individually and kind of doing this custom project. Um, and what we found out is everybody kind of needed the same thing. And so that's what we did. We leveraged all of the previous experience of what people needed to look at and needed to see in order to understand their members, to understand their non-members, to engage in a different way. And we put together best of breed visualizations and dashboards. So that's kind of the, the meat and potatoes of it. And then now what I would say is there's this whole idea of the internet of behaviors. You know, you've heard of the internet of things. There's now this extension of it, which is internet of behaviors. And that's really what's important now. That's the real-time data. That's what you're talking about is more of the insight to actions, the voice of the member, really capturing real-time what people need and want and being able to deliver it to them. So after you have the foundation built of, you know, your transactional data, the stuff that you always look at, like retention and your membership growing or not membership trends, let's say membership churn. Do you have a retention problem? Do you have a recruitment problem? After you get all that foundational stuff in there, the next thing you absolutely need to be looking at the real time data, because you want to be able to deliver exactly what your members and non-members want and need at the time they want and need it. And the only way to do that is technology. You know, we're not trying to replace anybody's job, just as I'm sure, you know, prop fuel is not trying to replace anybody's job. It's to enable the humans to be human and the technology do what the technology should be oh, there to do. Amen, sister. I'm all about the humans and the technology they're different things and they need to be used for different purposes. Humans are need to be used for the human interaction, right? Yeah, exactly. But there's a, there's a good place for the technology. Right. Well, I think um, people listening in, I mean, I know a lot of associations, we were like this when I came to MTI in 2006, so we had literally, we had a stagnant website. That was the only technology. We didn't have an AMS. We had nothing. And I found that we were all so busy doing transactional stuff. Hey, can you give me this? I want to, I want to buy this. I want to register this. And there was no way for them to download or do something on their own, like you said, Julie, when they need it. And so we went on this crusade to turn everything that was transactional into a internet transaction where no human was involved. Because what I wanted to be able to do is we only have three and a half staff. 
I wanted my staff to be able to have real human conversations with our members and let the, let the members do the transactions with the website or the, our online network all by themselves. And so that's really transformed. I mean, you've seen the kind of growth in our, our group that we've done. And that's really come from us being able to use technology versus human growth in order to get that. So uh, I think, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's kind of the evolution of BI and data and analytics. It, it was this internal, very similar to kind of the journey from transactions to digital transactions. Mm -hmm. Analytics, the same way you want to be able to put exactly what people need in the fingertips of the staff. And so, you know, you used to have this old model of running reports or going to IT to get a report, something like that. And, you know, that's a way of the past, for sure. Um, you need to have analytics at the fingertips, dashboards, you know, at the fingertips of your staff um, in order to make the decisions that you need them to make. You know, you expect them to make fast decisions. You expect them to make uh, good decisions but we're not always giving them the tools and resources to do that. And that's what we're here to hopefully do. And then hopefully transform our mission is truly to transform the way associations do business. Julie, yeah. this is a bit of a softball and, and it's, it's <laughs> not, again, it's not intended to be, but I'm really actually curious about this. What do you find when you start working with an association? I mean, I'm sure they come to you with some idea what they want to use association analytics for, like what they, what they want to get that they don't have access to. But what do you find across the board? Generally speaking, associations are craving that they can't get out of their AMS, right? They, like the AMS has some analytics, right? Most yeah. AMSs? Yep. And so what are they what are they lacking that you that that you guys bring to the table with uh, Acumen? I think it's two main things. It's a central repository for all of your data sources, because if you think about it, the AMS, it is only one data source. You probably have marketing automation. You may have voice of the member. You have things happening in the Internet. You might um on your website, you might have a community where people are talking. And yes, some of these things might be written back to your AMS, uh, but they don't always need to be. And, you know, I'm going to be a dork for just a second and talk about a transactional database versus an analytical database. And a transactional database, which is your AMS, they are meant for operations. They store things in rows and columns, and they are not meant to go back and show you trends and put uh, advanced analytics propensity models and regression models together to show you what members are going to churn. But sometimes we expect our AMS to do that. Uh, and I think that's sometimes where the frustration with some of our source systems come in. We're expecting them to do things that they aren't designed from a mm. database standpoint to do. Yes. And, you know, if you want a, your, a member count, hit up that AMS, it'll give it to you. Um, but when you're trying to look at a trend over time, when Actually, you're trying to look on. at it's, something forward. It's, it's funny you say that. It's, it's amazing how hard it is for a lot of associations to actually tell you how many members they have. So I would not use that one as an example. How many <laughs> members do you have? Well, you know, it depends on how you want to calculate that. And, Are we counting yeah. the ones that are in a grace period or the ones that, you know... <laughs> yeah, so that's a data governance issue, which that's actually something that uh, Association Analytics Acumen, the product, whenever you're going through onboarding, helps you define as an association. So you really have to dig in and come to consensus on what is a member, um, what is a member in grace, what is a churned member, uh, all of those terms that get tossed around and you may walk down the hallway and get seven different answers. 
uh, when you have a central repository and everybody looking at the same data in a dashboard, you all have to have consensus on what those terms are. So that's kind of a, a side effect that happens um, when going through the process. But back to your original question, I digress. Uh, a central repository bringing all of your data together uh, and then really engagement. So looking at, you know, how exactly are my members and non-members engaging with us holistically? And they're tied together, right? Because if you really want to know how a member's engagement is, you're going to include things like maybe community, if that's important to you, or, uh, you know, website, marketing automation, who, you know, everybody's mix is different. And Acumen allows you to prioritize those and weight those differently, depending on your association and what's important. So is that the most common uh, use case across the board? Like the thing just about every do everybody does is it gets a better understanding for their, and I, I don't know, I, I don't really like this phrase, but the engagement score, a way to measure an individual's engagement as compared to others. Yeah, that's one of the foundation pe foundational pieces. The other foundational pe pieces is really membership trends, really understanding membership churn. How are you going to retain those members? How are you going to, you know, market to different people in different ways? And I think that's where kind of the new wave comes of this voice of the member, where, yes, that's important. But now let's look at the Internet of Behaviors and the way that we really need to be collecting and using behavioral data. And, hey, by the way, you can just ask your members um, and you can pull all of that together to be really smart and use all of the data that you already have um, and that interaction, those small touch points with your members in an automated way to get the answers that you've always wanted to know going back to what I said, go, going back to knowing exactly what to deliver when. Um, and what that does is drive value. Well, I, so, I always, I always love the conversation I see on collaborate about the engagement waiting. Cause I, it bugs me to no end when someone wants to give their being on the board, all these points and someone that comes to the national meetings, all these points. I'm like, why? Cause people feel like if you're seen, you must be one of the most engaged members alive. And that's really not true in a lot of cases. I mean, we get on in our engagement scoring, we have 13 touch points with serving as a volunteer and coming to national meetings are one of the, or two of those, but you get one point for every touch point across the board. And by doing that, you equate it, you equate the member that doesn't come to meetings, but they're in seven of your programs. Instead of, you know, if you give a, a, a someone that comes to the, to the meeting, 22 points or 30 points, they actually look more engaged in the person that's in seven programs and they're not. So I think we, we lose sight and get too involved into giving people weighted points instead of just saying, you know what, let's give everybody equal weight to all the programs. And then everybody will have that even keel when it comes down uh, to the engagement points. Yeah, great point. Yeah, I mean, the way that we look at it is on a scale of 100 because it just makes sense right. to people. So when you look at it, you're like, oh, you know, Dave, you have a score of 576. Like, what the heck does that mean? But if you look at it and you're like, oh, Dave has a score of 99, you're like automatically, intuitively, no matter what, anybody can say, oh, he's engaged. You know, right. <laughs> he, he's a great member or non-member. That's the other thing people, I think, miss is looking at and using data uh, around your your customers, your potential customers, right. um, and acquiring those or looking at it and seeing, you know, what's profitable. That was a big one when I, when the pandemic hit. All of a sudden, it got real. You know, what what do we need to sunset? Uh, mm -hmm. We weren't always good at that in the association space, but when the rubber met the road, 
you had to sit down and say, we need to cut these things. You know, they haven't been profitable. They don't necessarily align with our mission, you know, whatever it may be, and really start cutting things. Again, really scrutinizing business decisions, not just using your gut. It gives you the confidence to support your decisions, uh, whether that be to the executive committee or to the board. When you have, you know, the data confidence, you can make decisions um, with that confidence, right? So this is a little less of a softball. In fact, it's quite the contrary. I think one of the challenges I think for you, presuming this is more of a question, is this a challenge for you? How do you keep people coming back for more? Like I would think data is kind of like an annual project. Like we want to watch what's going on now. And that, But how do you keep people coming back for insight? And is there like this repeatable process um, you know, like cont continuing reports that come out, like what is the, what does the product look like over the course of a year for people? It, it, Cause yeah, I sure. can tell you like, and, and I think this is partly what's cool about the way our companies are working together. You have insight and action, right? You guys are providing this incredible insight, but there's no action element to it. And that's where PropFuel comes in is taking action on that insight. So that's why I get so excited about the insight and action story that I'm telling. But like, what does a year in the life cycle of a client look like for you in terms of their interaction with the platform? Yeah, sure. So basically, you know, it's real-time analytics that gives you a pulse of everything that's important to your association. And so you know, at a minimum, people are going in during their monthly meetings. Every department typically has a monthly meeting. The executives typically have a monthly meeting. And they start those meetings looking at data and looking at the dashboards to see, is there an anomaly? Did something drop off? What does this mean? And kind of diving in to get to, hopefully, Dave, by the end of that meeting, some action that we're going to take. And a lot of times it's like, okay, we're going to try this for the next 30 days. Then we're going to come back and meet and we're going to see if that's working. And with data and analytics, you don't have to run and mash together or with Acumen, you don't have to run a bunch of different manual reports and take a bunch of staff time in order to do that. It's available at your fingertips. Then the other thing that we see, uh, the director of membership goes in almost daily at most associations. Events, directors are going in almost daily leading up to certain events so they can see you know, how is, how did this campaign do? Do I need to tweak and pivot? And then what we noticed during the uh, beginning of the pandemic, actually executives uh, went up to almost daily, definitely weekly. It went up by 70% in the executive suite of uh, usage and acumen. And I think it's because they, they wanted to see the world was changing so quickly. How is that affecting my association, my membership, um, my revenue, <laughs> you know, right? And so it, it's an ongoing, people go in almost daily to make decisions on what they need to do within their job. So there's a tactical component, there's an operational component, and then there's a strategic component. What, what is membership looking at daily in there? Usually it's not member record because you're going to go over to your AMS to do that. It's really looking at, okay, anomalies again, did something happen? Is there a trend? Um, or it could be looking at engagement, like, oh, well, we just talked to this member, you know, how engaged are they? And now we're actually even looking at pushing that engagement number into the, into the AMS. And so therefore they would have it, you know, right at their fingertips there. But 
Ah, uh, I get, I, I, I can see that. I can see the value of that. You have some interaction with a member. You want to study that member a little bit instead of Googling them. You're going to go and go into Acumen and, and see what you can learn about that member. Because now you're yep. seeing in one place, everything that member has done, including exactly. now intent and sentiment, which is really, really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Going to your question from a managing an association, leading one attitude, having the data all the time, even after the first year of being in it, it gives you as a leader confidence that what your staff is telling you is true. Cause so many times you meet on a quarterly basis and you know, it's just, it's natural. Sometimes, sometimes you have people that make their numbers look really good every quarter for their performance or for how things are going in their department. No, <laughs> but, but some can't. guy I know shows this chart about how when he got to MTI, oh. I mean, his organization, all of a sudden, everything <laughs> I've got seen better. that chart. But yeah, I've seen that chart. They need acumen, I think. But, but that's fact. And that's what I get to. That's fact. fact. That's raw numbers that you can't yes. argue with the facts. And so that's Can why it? I think data is so important for the leadership is that they get when they look at the numbers, membership retention, they look at engagement. It's all coming from actual things they've all agreed to and is showing raw facts. So I think that's the reason to make sure that we have data long term. And I think the other cool, the, the other real thing is before we all would typically look at numbers and a date and time. And to me, date and time numbers mean absolutely nothing. What I want to see is the mm -hmm. 10 year trend. Because here's, here's from the board standpoint, this is why it's important for board members. You get board members that are looking at numbers today and they're trying to make decisions based upon today. When decisions like this were made like eight years ago and all of a sudden the numbers went like this. So to give members perspective, it's nice to go show like uh, that chart I show you. We used, our, our association had a fair amount of money at one time, and then it started the downward trend. Well, if all I showed them was the front end of that that rise, and they didn't see the back end of that chart where they actually took a dip, member board members can now go back and say, "Tom, what went on back then that caused the numbers to go down back then as well?" So it always gives perspective, and it cuts the heart. I've been in board meetings where, whether strategic planning our own board, where the board members are discussing problems that we don't really have but it's what they think we have and when you're looking at data that shows that we don't have the problem it cuts the conversation off right there and you can actually get focused on what do we really need to be focusing on so that's why i think data it keeps your employees and staff members honest to where are we going in real time and then it keeps your board very focused on what do we really need to be focused on because it, we, we're trying to we're having discussions about things that are actually doing really well but we don't know it because we don't know the trend of data so yep. I think there's lots of reasons from a, like she said, from a strategic standpoint to have the data every, all the time, not just for a period of time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What she said. No, that's a great point. It drives transparency. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about action, Dave, it's this idea of, okay, you don't want your staff messing around with all these numbers and manipulating and doing manual things. You want them focused on the action. And so how can they do that by giving them time to look at the data, pull out insights and actually put it into action. That's number one. The second way is, which we now have in Acumen is a recommendation engine, just like any other recommendation that you see out there. You know, I, you know, Netflix, I'm sure you go on to Amazon, you get certain products and services recommended to you in Acumen. Now we now have a recommendation engine where we recommend it could be content, it could be a community to join, it could be a product to buy, uh, it really could be anything that your association has. And we recommend what those top products per member are. In addition, we, re we show you what like the hot things are, because, you know, it may not be right for you, but 
you may change your mind when you, you know all of your peers are reading a certain book or consuming a certain article or attending a certain event, whatever it may be. And so um, we have a recommendation engine that does both of those. Oh my God, Julie. So this is awesome. I know we have some shared clients right now that are, are going to be the first ones to have this integration, but here's, here's what we're going to do. This is awesome. So you're going to have this recommendation engine that says, Hey, Joe Schmo should be getting this this and this to improve their likelihood of renewing or this, this, and this to get them more engaged. And then that data goes right from Acumen into PropFuel, Fuel. sends yep. them in this, this contact, this, uh, uh, conversational engagement sort of interaction, bringing them into this conversation, talking about that piece of education or talking to them about that certification and driving that conversation. That's awesome. Yep. That is yep. okay. Tom, what do you say? Any other questions before we take Julie into our last element of your, your one takeaway? Yeah, I, I think the big thing for people listening in is, you know, a lot of people- Wait, is this at, your takeaway or is this another question? This is, a, this is another question. It's, okay. it's an elaboration because, you know, we're just a three and a half staff, million and a half dollar budget. And I think analytics like this really benefits, obviously, a large association because you have 50,000 members and you really can help you dissect down who do you need to be connecting with? You know, smaller associations not. So, Julie, just kind of elaborate what's kind of the difference between a small association using this product versus, because, you know, I've got a series of spreadsheets. I know our numbers backwards and forwards, you know, and I look at them about every quarter, the month before our board meeting um, to study them. And, and I, I, we, we only have 360 company members with 14,000 people in them. But, you know, some associations have 50,000 members. So what's the difference between a small association using this versus a large association? Sure. Uh, sometimes I argue that it, it actually benefits small associations more because mm -hmm. your staff time is so valuable. Right. Um, not to say it's any more valuable than large ones, but you really have to be nimble and use your time really wisely. Well, we to... don't have four person in our departments like we only have one. So I, I agree with you. It, 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 it can be very valuable. Right. And you can have this information at your fingertips real time. The other thing is the the math that's built in. And so when I say that, it's predictive analytics. And so you're not necessarily likely to have somebody on staff at a small association that's taking something and running regression models to predict the future. Yes, you might have numbers that show you the past, but when you take those and put them into a statistical model to show you the outcomes of the future that you want, that's something that you would benefit hugely from having a tool like Acumen. And then what that does back to what you just said, it really gets you down to discussing exactly what you need to discuss and saving that time and pointing mm. staff and your very limited resources in the right direction. Awesome. Great, great description. I appreciate that. Yeah. Takeaways, Tom. So Julie, what we do after every um, podcast, I'm sure you, you've listened to every episode. So you probably Everyone. Know this already, mm -hmm. um, but, and, and so at the end, as you know, we have our takeaway and uh, I, this just kind of started by accident, but it's also a nice way to wrap this thing. So we usually uh, let the guest uh, go last just so they can get their thoughts together. Tom, you want to go first? What's, what's your, um, what's your big takeaway from the conversation? So my big takeaway for the conversation is because I'm a big believer in data analytics is, you know, you must as an association figure out what your six to seven key numbers are that drive the strategic plan and the things that you want to accomplish and work backwards to see, do we have the numbers to support that to tell us quickly what they are? And if you have that in your budget to look for a company like an association analytics, 
that can really help you drive that because technology is what's making us more efficient, especially the small staff. So determine your numbers that drive your, your goals that you want. And if you can use technology to do that, you need to jump into that. And don't look at a time date of number, look at a trend over a certain period of time so you can actually see how things are moving. Well, my takeaway is a reinforced philosophy that I've been screaming since we've been talking about bringing our products together. Julie, what's my takeaway? So my, my supposed to know it? Action. That's oh, insight it is, and action. Julie. I was, I was like, am I supposed to, to know this? It's, in, it's insight and action. Dude, All it right. is insight and action. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like Donnie and Marie. I swear Dave to God, it's like Bo and Luke. What's it? Please tell me you know the last <laughs> reference, Bo and Luke, right? Me? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Come on, Bo and Luke Duke. <laughs> Tom, nothing? Oh, it's right. uh, the general. General Lee. Yeah. So, so um, anyway, I, I think insight and action, they play so well together and without insight, action is, is guesswork and without action, insight is valueless. So it's, it's the two that need to fit together to, to really create value. That's my takeaway from our conversation. It's just a reinforcement of this philosophy I have. So Julie, what's, what's your, what's your takeaway from the day? Okay. So what, what, I did what did you say that you love so much? So it's not necessarily that I, what I said that I love so much is actually when the light bulb went off in your eyes and you said, this is how this is going to work as far as a recommendation going to prop fuel then yeah. going to a member. So immediately I got really excited and I was like, this is how we're going to change the industry and grow the industry. And that's what I'm excited about. Get rid of the old ways of doing things that are mundane and don't work and come along for the ride in technology to change the way your association does business. And that's exactly how you can do it um, without relying fully on staff to do these mundane tasks. You can automate everything to go from a recommendation to an email and prop fuel to then watching your numbers change and grow in acumen. Um, I think there's something so beautiful about that, that I truly in my heart of hearts believe is going to change this industry and grow this industry like never before. If we can get people on board. You're such a nerd. So, so oh, thank you. you. Julie, did you see my, going on that note? Did you see my article that uh, Naylor published? No, I'll send it your way. You said the right things because I wrote an article on the largest wave of membership coming our way the next 10 years. And you need, you need to read that and use that in your stuff because it really is. The question is, is do you have the technology in place to handle and the staffing to handle the massive wave of new members that are coming our way in the next 10 years? And if you don't, you're going to have really sad, really big customer service issues. So this technology of all types is what's going to help you grant, get that, get those customers in and serve them at a high level. So if you like this, episode or if you like if you if you kind of get a little uh tingling of joy out of out of this this podcast we're doing um you just mentioned nailer tom and i were just guests on the nailer podcast which is um called association advisor so if you go to any podcast player you can check out association advisor uh, i was just on delcor's podcast reboot it it reboot it and uh, I was just on there yesterday. So anyway, there's a lot of good podcasts popping up in our industry. 
from uh, Delcor's Reboot It to, to Nailer's Association Advisor to what I, I hope you guys are enjoying Association Strong. Julie, you know I'll what? bet you guys could do a... I, I think there'd be a really interesting podcast around solely around managing data. Have you ever thought about doing that, hosting something? So we do, and I don't know what it's called. It's not a podcast because it's video, but we basically, I interview mostly association executives on what's top of mind. And a lot of times data has some component in that. It's called Association Casual. That's the one that uh, Gary Shapiro was just on. And so those will be, we're launching the first um, three of those uh, in, in early spring. So. April. Be on YouTube or on your website or both or both. Yeah. Yep. All right, Julie Shulo, I before you in the spelling. What is that? What is what is the history? I'm assuming that's your Italian. Your, so it's Italian. Your husband's name was Shulo. Is that right? Or yeah. yeah. Okay. Mine was Taylor. No one ever screwed it up. It was <laughs> never never spelled it incorrectly. Well, but, I find it hard to believe because there's two ways to spell Taylor, and 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 I always struggle with that. One one is a sewing, and the other is a boy's name or a girl's name. Actually, it would be the name one. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, of course, it would be the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was a name. <laughs> thanks so much, Julie. Really, really glad you joined us, yeah, Tom. Anything you, else? Are we good? No, man, we're good. We will see you next time because you know what? There is strong, and then there is association strong, my friends. <laughs> Listen in. Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> we hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorson.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.